0: Hello, this is Tim, the lead pastor of Mosaic Portland, and welcome to the Mosaic Portland podcast. We exist to follow Jesus in authentic community for the world. And right now we're gathering Sundays online uh, to worship together and to open up scripture together. And then after that, we have virtual house gatherings that meet all over our city. And the great thing about these is that you can actually join in wherever you're listening from. We think these right now are the best way to be known, to connect with others, uh, and to be on mission together. They're also where we pray together on Sundays in smaller communities, where we take communion together and debrief what the talk was about and engage scripture more. If you want to find out more information of how to be a part of one in this season, you can find out more info on our website, mosaicportland.org. Now let's go to scripture together as we listen to this podcast. Hi, my name's Mark. I am the family pastor here at Mosaic. We're in our Advent season called Light Shines in the Darkness. And it's, it's a phrase that's taken from... The first chapter of, the, of the, the Gospel of John and Advent for me is just it's a beautiful season. it's a really wonderful time and um, having grown up and lived in South Africa for most of my life, I, I really enjoy experiencing uh, the Christmas season here in the US. Um, in South Africa, Christmas is a day um, so it's the day of Christmas and Here in the US, Christmas is like a whole season. It's like the month leading up to Christmas day and more. And so my first experience of Christmas in the United States was about 15 years ago, Um, just before before I got married to Rebecca, I came to meet her parents, we came over for Christmas and I was just blown away. Uh, We came probably mid-December, and the thing that just really stood out to me was all the lights. we It, it seemed like there were just lights everywhere. The, the, the whole landscape was adorned with, with lights. There were lights on the houses. There were lights on the trees. There were lights inside the houses. There were lights on the trees inside the houses. Um, they, my parents and all took me to Peacock Lane. I mean, that's just enough said. Um, we went to Pioneer Courthouse square, giant Christmas tree, giant, giant Christmas tree, and just tons of lights. And the, the impact of these lights are just um, amplified by the darkness. The, the fact that, um, that the Pacific Northwest is a pretty dark uh, and gray place in, at this time of year just kind of makes the lights pop out even more. And so I'd never seen anything like this before, and, and seeing this... It was like, man, this is amazing. And living here now, I can totally see why people do this. And it's something that, we've, that I've just totally embraced. Like we have three Christmas trees in our house right now. Um, there are lights all over in four different rooms in the house, we have lights outside. We have, we have a garland, we have a wreath, we even have a swag. Um, that is a thing, a, a swag you get, a thing called a Christmas swag. And it's not a light, but it's also Christmas decoration. But I said to Rebecca the other day, man, when when I walk into my living room, when I walk into our living room, it just feels like a big hug. It's just so life-giving. Like everything is really dark and gray. And then then you just walk into this experience of warm, beautiful light. And it just feels so cozy and and life-giving. And you can kind of see why the, the metaphor of light just seems so appropriate when we speak of Jesus uh, the, the way that the Bible describes Jesus. And today I'm, I'm focusing on Jesus as a life-giving light. Um, in, in John nine, Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And, and John himself in, in John one, he says, through Jesus, all things were made without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. And so John is saying, man, Jesus is light and Jesus is life. And these things come kind of hand in hand. And then, and Jesus himself affirms this later saying, and I am the light of the world. And it, just, it seems so appropriate. It seems, yeah, this is right. If you wanna describe Jesus as, as life and as life giving, light is a good metaphor for this. But I think we can all like kind of um, understand Jesus as the one through whom we were given life and and through whom all things were created. But life is, it it seems as though there are degrees of life perhaps. Um, Not everybody enjoys the same quality of life. Not everybody enjoys the same quantity of life. Um, And then there are questions around like, what does it mean to be alive? Like, why are we here? Why are we created? Why do we live and breathe? Uh, what are we doing in this place? And what about, what about people who don't experience life as good as other people experience it? And there are all these questions around what does it look like to really, really experience life? And people answer that in different ways. And some people say, man, if you really want to have life, if you really want to experience life, you need to fill in the blank." you need to be super wealthy, or you need to have some kind of pursuit, or you need to have a hobby that really fulfills you, or you need to have a perfect marriage, or you need to have a combination of all of those things to have a perfect life. Success and, and all of those things are limited though. Um, Freddie Mercury, who was the lead singer of a very famous rock band queen, um, he, he attained enormous success. Um, And he was world famous. He said this, he said, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. And so he sees something that he cannot have, something that uh, is, that, all of these other things that, are, that people pursue, that people go after. And he sees, man, these things have actually stopped me from, from having something that's more valuable. Last night I watched Comedians in Cars Having Coffee, with Jerry Seinfeld, and um, the guest on his show was the actor Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey said this, he says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. And I, and I think you, you you might be saying, oh yeah, it's easy for Jim Carrey to say, because he's the one that's rich and he's the one that's like got all of these resources and that sort of thing. It's easy to say like, oh, wealth doesn't matter when you have all this wealth. But I think there's something true about that statement because if, if meaning in life was attached to how much money you have or, uh, your, the pursuit of pleasure and all of these sorts of things. We we would all just have to agree that life is pretty meaningless for most people. And I think that would be pretty sad. Jesus um, and his disciples uh, had a similar conversation where his disciples were wrestling with the same thing. And it's in the context of this, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And the broader context of the story, I think is just so meaningful in what it says about these bigger questions and about Jesus as a life-giving light. In John 9 verse one says, "'As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. "'His disciples asked him, "'Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, "'that he was born blind? "'Neither this man nor his parents sinned,' said Jesus. But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of Him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus' disciples come across this man and they, they're like, "Man, what is the point of this guy's life? How did he? like, what is this? He's blind. He's never been able to see. He's never been able to see the light. Why? Why is he there? And what is the point of this? And the the assumption is, oh, he must have sinned. Or maybe his parents sinned. Somebody did something wrong and he ended up blind. And Jesus, rather than than trying to get into the details of this guy's sin or anything, it's not because he sinned. It's so that the glory of God can be revealed, the glory of God can be shown. And then Jesus says, I am the light. And Jesus goes on straight after this, and, and He spit, spits in the sand and, he, and in the dust, and he, and he makes up some mud, and He rubs the mud in the guy's eyes. He tells the guy, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the guy, he goes, he does as Jesus says, and the guy's healed. And for the first time in this guy's life, he can see. For the first time in his life, he. The light shines in and, and this guy can can see the world. And what it does is it unleashes this huge controversy because the guy goes back and his neighbors and the people who've seen him begging on the street say, man, what is this? Who is this guy? He looks just like the guy who was begging on the street here, but, but he can see. And he says, it's the, the blind guy, formerly blind guy. He says, it is me. This is... A, This guy, Jesus, this guy, probably a prophet, I'm not sure, whatever, you know, he healed me. He spat in the dust and he made up some mud and he rubbed it in my eyes. And at this, people just get totally freaked out because, oh, you mean Jesus was healing on the Sabbath and he was making mud on the Sabbath? That's got to be wrong. That's, you know, and so it sparks this debate and they drag the guy off to, to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees start to question the guy and the guy just keeps saying, man, Jesus healed me. I I can't tell you any more than that. He just, like I couldn't see and he healed me. and Now I can see. And eventually the Pharisees just get so frustrated at him and they just keep condemning him and they condemn Jesus. And eventually they're just so frustrated they kick him out. Jesus hears about this and he goes to look for the guy and it says in verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out. When he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I've come into this world, so that the blind will see, so that those who see will become blind. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus just healed this man. He's just healed a man who was born blind. But he points out that there's another kind of blindness. And so the first thing I think that he's saying here is that there's, it's a cautionary statement. There is a kind of blindness that is perhaps worse than physical blindness. It's a spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness is thinking that the answer to life's big questions, it lies in pursuing pleasure, in fame, in status, in wealth, in the next adrenaline fix, in food, in sex, in something, that there's gotta be something in this world that can fulfill us. Spiritual blindness is, is thinking that we can earn our way into eternal life, that we can, that we can within ourselves find or or become the the solution to our own problems that within us, we in ourselves have the strength to address and or to solve the big questions of life. Spiritual blindness is is thinking that this is it, that this reality is the only reality. Russell Brand, who's a, a British comedian, he said, drugs and alcohol are not my problem. This is kind of funny, but it's not really funny. He says, Drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution to fill up the hole inside of me. And so, really, what all this spiritual blindness is about is kind of shutting ourselves off from the true light and trying to fill some kind of black hole that just sucks in and sucks in and sucks in. And and just creates this pit of meaninglessness. Spiritual sight, however, being able to see spiritually requires faith. It requires us to be able to look beyond the present reality, whether good or bad. And it requires us to look to something else. And so the, the second thing that Jesus is saying to this guy is he points to himself. He points to himself as the The source of life, as the source of, as the object of this guy's faith. And he says, Jesus says, Here I am, I'm standing right in front of you. He says, Put your faith in me. I am the Son of Man. And so the whole point of life is that we might discover the fullness of life in the one who created life in the first place. In Acts 17, Paul is standing um, in this. A, um, a Greek, uh, a Greek um, council, the Areopagus, And, and he, he says this to them. He says to them, from one man, um, God... I'm going to start that again. From one man, God made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And so Paul is saying, man, when you reach out to God, when you reach out to find him, just like the blind man who said, man, like where, who is the son of man? Where, where is he? So that I, and Jesus says, here yeah, I am. I'm standing right in front of you. Paul says the same thing. When, when you reach out to God, you realize like, oh, He's actually not that far from me. I feel like I'm, I'm far from God or like I'm far from the light. I'm in the dark. But the minute, the minute you see, the minute your eyes are opened, it's like, oh, you're standing right there. And when we put our faith and our confidence in Jesus, it's like going from being blind to being able to see. It's like going from night to going to day. It's like the sun rises for the first time in our lives. The thing about when we're able to see Jesus f- for the first time, when we see Jesus, he is the life-giving light and he, we see him as light, but his light also sh- shines on everything around us. And, and we see everything else for the first time in a new light. We see everything else in the, in the context of Jesus' life-giving power. And we realize like, wow, man, this, this reality that I'm living in is a different reality to what I thought. C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I can see the sunrise, but by it, I can see everything else. When we know Jesus, when we understand his redemptive plan, that he has come to give meaning and purpose to our lives, that he has come to deal with everything in this world that's dark and broken and sinful, and to provide opportunity for every single one of us to step into the fullness of life. When we understand that, when we see Jesus as that source of life, it changes things radically. Only then can we truly enjoy the good gifts that God has given us in this world. Only then can we we look at things like success, and and, and st- status, and wealth, and comfort in, in, the, in the context of, of the right place of what God intended those things to be. Those are good gifts from God, but those aren't our ultimate pursuits. It also creates space for suffering and for sacrifice. It, it helps us understand the context of those things and the fact that God has actually come to deal with that, and that He, he Will He will dry every tear and He will comfort us as, as Becky taught last week. It's a beautiful thing because in the good and in the bad, God's life-giving light shines and points us back to Him as the life giver. And, and we, we, we come to realize, oh, it's not about all of these things. It's about the one behind it, which is why Jesus says it's, it's not about this debate of of whether this guy sinned or whether his parents sinned or or any of that. He said, look at me, I am the light of the world. So this Advent, as we celebrate what John describes as the light of life coming into the world for the first time, I want to leave leave you with two questions to consider, two things that may be helpful for us in thinking about. Jesus as a life-giving light. Firstly, how are you experiencing Jesus as a life-giving light? Are you allowing in the midst of the things that we enjoy about this season to allow yourself time with Jesus, to, to really spend time with Him, to really just enjoy who He is and enjoy His presence and enjoy the fact that He has given you life. Are you um, inviting Jesus to breathe his, his abundant life, to breathe the fullness of His life into every area of your life? Are you allowing His light to shine into those areas of, light, of your life that are dark and that need, need change? Are you inviting Him to shape you and mold you in the difficult things that you might be experiencing? These are all ways that we might allow ourselves to experience Jesus as a life-giving light in this season the second thing I wanna ask you, the second challenge is, how are you extending the life-giving light of Jesus to others? In John 10, after the Pharisees just give this blind man such a hard time and and they give Jesus a hard time for healing the blind man, Jesus contrasts himself with their leadership and, and he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy and he's referring to their style of condemnation and the hatred and, and hurt and power plays and all that sort of thing. But he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Other translations say, have life in abundance. Jesus' life is abundant life. It means that we can share that life freely and abundantly with others. That might look like you sharing your faith with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. It could be you explaining the gospel to somebody or sharing your testimony with somebody or something like that and and introducing them to Jesus as a life-giving light. But it could mean you as an agent of life-giving light, just asking yourself what opportunities there are to extend forgiveness and grace to people around you who might've hurt you. It could be uh, you asking yourself what opportunities you see to give generously to others from the abundance that you've been given. Right now we're, in, we're, we're doing these Advent kindness projects and we've partnered with various partners in the, in the city. You, it could be as simple as saying, hey, how can I get better at generosity by doing the simple thing, by uh, buying a gift for, for one of these partners, buying something for one of these partners. What does it look like to allow that to start to shape who we are? You might not have much to give, but you, it, it could be as simple as saying, man, I'm going to use my tongue this Advent season to, to really bless people and, and to encourage people, to think of, man, how can I encourage people with just godly encouragement? How can I be a voice of encouragement to the people around me? Sometimes life-giving words are like liquid, it's like sunshine to people's souls. Speaking words of hope and encouraging, encouragement to people, is just like, really, it's like light shining into darkness and, and into the hurts in their lives. It changes people's lives and it becomes a blessing to people and it's something that you can do every day. Whatever it is that you choose, however you choose to extend this life-giving light into, share this life-giving light into the lives of others, I, I pray, my, my, my hope is that through that, you would just experience more and more the light of Jesus in your life. And, and my hope and prayer for us as a community is that it would start to or continue. I think this is one of the things that has shape Mosaic as a community, is the life-giving light of Jesus. My prayer is that it would just continue to shape us as a community, continue to just evoke the life of Jesus within us and in the the broader community of Portland and and surrounds. So guys, Merry Christmas.